Yo, yo, hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. Ever so slightly delayed. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in uh, and for commenting on LinkedIn and for hanging around. There's a few, quite a few people waiting there for this to start. So I appreciate your patience. Uh, technical difficulties, uh, as always, this thing is never straightforward. Uh, but yes, welcome. We're going to have an epic conversation today with Corbis Krayling, uh, ex-product manager, product owner, I believe, actually, of uh, Vodafone at Vodacom in South Africa. And uh, it's going to be Unbelievable. For those of you that don't know Corbus, he uh, writes constantly in the space of conversational AI. He's extremely experienced and knowledgeable of implementing all of this kind of stuff. He probably knows more about every platform uh, that's available than anybody else that I know. I think I've read every single one of his articles. And so I've, there's a few comments in here. Uh, Sangeetha, for example, uh, Corbus writings are awesome. I am absolutely with you and I'm going to be fanboying out a little bit, I think, during this session. Uh, but, but before we get to that, I want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, DeepGram. Uh, DeepGram are industry leading speech recognition providers really, really quick response times, incredibly accurate service. And when you are uh, creating speech recognition systems or, or voice assistants in general, you really do need to have high degrees of accuracy because if not, any errors in your speech recognition get fed into your NLU and trying to hack your way through that means that your NLU ends up in an absolute mess. So do invest in proper speech recognition and DeepGram has got you covered when it comes to that. We'll be running a webinar with DeepGram uh, all about really why big tech uh, doesn't innovate as quickly or as often as you might think, especially when it comes to speech recognition. Uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons for that, which we'll get into in, in, the, in the webinar that we do uh, with DeepGram. And we'll be covering how to audit your speech recognition as it currently stands and how to implement a flexible AI architecture to mean that you can customize and move quickly for every new use case and every new situation. So it doesn't matter whether you're looking for something for your call center to transcribe calls, whether you're looking for something for your business to transcribe meetings, whether you're looking for something for your product to enable dictation or to caption videos, or whether you're using it for voice assistant services, this webinar will be absolutely uh, vital for you. So I will put the link in here in just a moment's time when uh when we kick off and it'll be in the show notes as well and so okay without further ado let's uh let's do it let's welcome corpus corpus welcome to vux world <laughs> okay it, it feels a bit sur uh, surreal <laughs> <speaking> <laughs> well you've been in shackles for so long um this has been something i've been wanting to do for about three years so it's uh the shackles are off now you're out in the wild yeah, I like to have your voice, but out in the wild, and uh, it can be a harsh place. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, uh, it's it's nice. I mean, you know, you can you can definitely. I mean, even while you're at Vodacom, you were writing prolifically and always do write prolifically in this kind of space. And I'm definitely curious and interested to, you know, get into this conversation. One, to get your thoughts on the current state of play as far as technology is concerned. And two, some of the real practical lessons that you've learned that you might be able to share with the audience here around how to go about properly implementing this stuff. Um, but before we do that, and ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, as you are tuning in, if you've got any questions for Corbus, which I imagine you probably do, please do stick it in the, in the chat and we will do our very best to get to it. Um, and while, while before we get into that, though, it'd be interesting. I'd love to know where your kind of interest in this stuff came from. I mean, in order to write as often as you do, you don't just write, you really climb inside 
all of the various systems and, and platforms and all that kind of stuff. So you really develop a good understanding of everything that you write about. The writing is almost like the, the output. So you must really have a passion for it. So where did that come from? You know, Kane, uh, I started off on land surveying and geographic information systems. And, um, you know, that's I'm, I'm being dated by that now. But, you know, there's a time in the in the middle 90s when GIS was something new. Um, and I remember distinctly we, we were there was this event and they said all data will be underpinned by location. Uh, pictures, documents, you know, all data will be underpinned by location. And when I heard that, I thought, well, how is that even possible? You know, how would you even capture, how would you assign a location to every piece of information, being it a picture or, a, uh, you know, a business, whatever the case might be. And then that happened. And today it's, it's commonplace. You know, it's not something strange. Mm. And in that time, you know, I was listening to a talk and, and the speaker spoke about one of the ultimate devices for the future. And uh, so one of the he listed a few ultimate devices and one of that was speech, you know, speech access and speech interfaces. So, you know, um, you know, making a, a career change is like setting your hair on fire and putting it out with a hammer. You know, <laughs> you're not sure what's worse. <laughs> so I, I did it. I, I made two career uh, changes, tw uh, you know, twice I made a career change. And uh, so back then it was primarily IVR. So we literally did IVR from Cape Town to Cairo, hmm. um, at the whole of Africa, you know, Nigeria, DRC. And I can write a book about those experiences. <laughs> but then it was mainly IVR, and we used Voice XML, um, and we focused. I was looking for an IBM business partner. We focused on the IBM suite, um, web suite, voice response, voice server for the people that still remember that. But then it was primarily, um, you know, menu-driven, voice-driven menus, mm. right? So for balance, say one, for account, say two, or for balance, say balance, for account, say, you know, say account. Um, and then, you know, as things unfolded, um, I really got this interest in, in conversational AI. Um, and I really wanted to understand, you know, so, 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 so while I try to make sense of the market, I really saw there were products, there were um, product documentation, uh, lots of tutorials, and lots of marketing hype. <laughs> you know, white papers, you know, you know being uh, masked as, you know, or material, marketing material being masked as white papers. And um, so I really saw a, there's a need, and, and I've, I wanted that, you know, for, for people to prototype and then write on on what they experienced, you know, mm -hmm. not to copy and paste. And many of the publications basically just copy and paste from help documents and you know to put an article together. And I think that's where it, where it started. Um, and then just seeing, you know, what do people say? Does it resonate? Am I wrong? Am I, you know, losing my mind? <laughs> um, and, and then I think it's like this, um, you know, you start feeding off it. And you want to publish the next thing and the next thing. Um, and then, then it just became a habit and a, I think a deep curiosity to, to know and to understand um, the, the commercial landscape and the different, different products. So that's, that's basically like where, um, in a way, where I came from. Um, mm. And then, you know, you, you see different things. You know, you, you have to like 
look at a product and prototype and build something. But then as time went on, I had these different products and I could start comparing it. And, um, you know, that really gets lots of traction. <laughs> different uh, frameworks. And you make good friends and you make some good enemies as well. <laughs> um, and it's something I really find interesting. So I saw one of your uh, headliners now the last few days was about big, big tech mm. um, and big tech getting it wrong. You know, mm. um, what was the exact phrase you used? Um, the, the irony of big tech. The oh. irony of big tech. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, it's, I find it so interesting because looking at the current Gartner conversational AI um, document report and their quadrants, <clears throat> you, know, it, you know, it was really, it's really a case of the behemoths, the, the giants being upset and, and all these smaller companies like just forging their way into that, um, being the visionaries and having the ability to execute. And so when I read, you know, when I read that 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 headline from you, it really it really resonated with me because you currently see that, hmm. you know, you know, some of these companies, and you know, I'm actually now busy writing an article on um, Amazon Lex version two, hmm. um, and if you think where AWS should have been, um, you know, or or some of the other products, um, you know, even if if I look at Nuance Mix. You know, nuance that was always a leader in 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 speech to text and text to speech and you know voice enablement. Mm. Um, but you know, if you look at their conversational AI platform and a few others as well, you, you really think they should have been further along. Mm. You know, and and so for me, these smaller companies, I mean, they're throwing everything at the <laughs> customer when you got free access. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got free access to the whole system. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if I can name yeah, <laughs> Cognigy and Core AI. They recently mm. just said you get free access. You can just go for it. Yeah. Um, and then you still have Oracle, um, IBM Watson. I think to some extent Google as well. You you have to enter a credit card. Yeah. You know, to, to get going. Um, Azure, I mean, I, I've, <laughs> I once ran up this, um, this bill on Azure, <laughs> something <laughs> You know, um, I just I just didn't see the the services. You know? Yeah. So so and, and so they're making this available freely to platforms, and and it's almost like they don't have any technical debt. You know, they can look yeah. at it with a fresh pair of eyes, and really innovate. Um, and and so, I think there's quite a bit of catch up. And and that to that point, right? So I mean, you you intro with Deepgram, and you know I you know Deepgram is something I would love to get into. But, uh, you know, if, you know, and I think of the same ilk as Deepgram, but if you think of Resemble and, and Respeech, mm. I just recently yeah. listened to a podcast on Respeech. And the innovation in terms of speech recognition, but especially in, in speech synthesis, mm. creating voices. Um, I mean, some of the things that's being done, it's just, it's just out of the, this world. So I, I actually lost touch with that. Mm. And of the voice components and it feels like gone is the day that you rely on an end-to-end solution you know i think perhaps nuance mix still has got that edge where when you deploy application on your nuance mix platform then you can they pair the asr with the nlu which mm. i think is neat and i think that's a <clears throat> that's a distinct advantage they've got mm. of pairing the nlu and the, <clears throat> and the asr 
you know, it's kind of cohesive. So that light of translation might m- most probably works better there. Hmm. But I think, you know, when it comes to, to audio and, and, and generating audio and, and, and synthesis, not even speech, but background music or, or you know, effects to the speech, um, you know, I think these companies are really running away with it. Hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, so it's, I think there's, there's going to be a polarization of sorts, definitely. Yeah. Um, in terms of how people choose the different components just to have the best the best um, combined solution. Yeah. You've got it's interesting, isn't it? Because like you mentioned Google and, and Lex and stuff like that there. It seems like they kind of were a bunch of siloed capabilities. NLU, like Google Dialogflow ES, pretty much just NLU. To make anything happen, there's no dialogue management that comes with it. You have to build it all yourself, code it all yourself. You want to put it into a voice channel, you've got to put some speech recognition on the front of it. So you've got these kind of like component parts and TTS on top of that. All these component parts that you can kind of stitch together. But then you've got platforms, as you mentioned, Cognigy, Core AI and others, where they're bringing it as not fully end-to-end because they're they're relying on speech recognition from somewhere else and synthetic speech from somewhere else and stuff like that. But it's still a one one place. You just go to one place. You can design, you can deploy, and all of those other components become part of it. Um, Whereas I think Google kind of maybe was a bit late to developing CX because by the time CX was released, all of these other platforms already had so many features Mm. that CX was almost like a bit of a, it was a bit of a mind boggle because everyone was used to the kind of no code, low code builders and stuff. Um, but then at the same time, you've got that kind of, I think, component comp- modularization, for want of a better word, can give you a bit of flexibility, can't it? Because you could bring in DeepGram for speech recognition and oh, tailor that yeah. model. You could have, a, you know, one NLU uh, potentially or a bunch of different NLUs for different use cases. You might have a customized synthetic voice, which you won't get from a built out out the box kind of platform. So, It'd be interesting to get your thoughts on how you're thinking about this kind of modularization versus full kind of platform and whether there's the, you know, the benefits and drawbacks of each kind of approach. You know, I just had this um, flood of uh, thoughts while you were speaking. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, I think that the, the, the two, there are two problems to, to people. I think there are two problems to organizations delivering an exceptional voice experience. Um, and there's one thing especially I want to touch on, but I'll get that, that just now. <laughs> but I think the two problems for any organization to deliver exceptional speech experience, the one is cross-selling. You know, so um, so there might be an organization. So I, th- I think the one thing is that many many companies cannot have ASR or, 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 or speech synthesis. It's too specialized. The amount of data you need, it's just... Um, I mean, it's it's a lot of data you need. Um, it's highly specialized. Um, so, so I I think these companies will continue running away with voice, um, you know, with with speech synthesis and, and ASR definitely. But I think that the two the two dangers, um, you know, for a good voice experience, the one is cross selling, you know. So an organization might have you know already an NLU implementation. Or that they might have some kind of analytics or, or, or you know, business solution, and then they present an inferior ASR solution or inferior speech synthesis solution, and then they say they cross sell. We give you sixty percent discount, forty percent discount for the first year. 
So I think that's a real, and, and you know, that's where, and I've got no, no axe to grind. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's where the, the IBMs and the, uh, the, the Googles and, and, and the Microsoft, that's where they've got that leverage. They're already in there with their cloud solution. I think related to that, and the second thing is, is the, I call them the, the, the cloud you're in. Use the cloud you're in. Mm. You know, so, so someone is using um, Oracle Cloud or they're using AWS extensively already. And then they say, well, let us just make use of this cloud we're already in. So mm. X, you know, Amazon Lex version 2 or, or um, um, Oracle, um, you know, bot, uh, um, Oracle Assistant, it's probably not as good, but we, that's the cloud we in. We can get it for free or huge discounts. So we just mm-hmm. make it. So I think that cross-selling, um, that's that will always be there and, and use the cloud you're in. You know, mm-hmm. the cloud that's the e- easiest or the cloud you know. So the developers might be developing in, in, in Google Cloud and, and then they opt just to extend the application. So I think that, that bias, you know, will, will always be there. But I think what excites me about, um, you know, like you mentioned, DeepGram or, or um, Core AI or, or Cognigy or, or OneReach. I haven't really played with OneReach. Mm. I mean, like, if you want me to, just give me access. <laughs> I would Oracle the day and they wanted to charge me 80 euros in rands. That's really? a lot of money. I just <laughs> but, but I think that the, the thing with those companies are that they're raising the table stakes immensely. Yeah. So, so they really, and re-speecher, like they really, the table stakes are really up there. So, so for anyone to, so just take a, just if you look at the Gartner report, if you just take um, Cognigy or Core AI or OneReach, that, that's a complete end-to-end conversational AI solution, in, in which you can then voice enable. So you put the ASR or, or speech mm. synthesis on top of that. If you look what the current table stakes are for any company to to reach parity with them, I mean, imagine the cost and the effort to just reach parity, mm. and then you don't have different differentiation and you don't have market share, <laughs> so so you're just on parity, and then you just got to keep up, you know, adding table stakes and then getting um, market share and some kind of um, differentiation. So I think that's going to become harder and harder in general. So I don't know, you know, I think like someone like Nuance Mix can catch up. I think IBM Watson Assistant can catch up. Um, Perhaps AWS or Google, if they throw more more money at it, they can still catch up. Mm. Maybe they they don't see a need to catch up, but it's going to be very hard because that that table stakes are so high. And I I don't think um, any company... Any, any conversational AI platform, end-to-end platform, will go for, can go for the, the speech solution, the speech components, let's call it that, the ASR yeah. and services, because those guys are just fo- too far ahead. So, so, so what I think is going to happen, and I see someone's got their human first and Q box, and I think you can add Botium as well. Yeah. But I think what's going to happen... The podcast is- tomorrow, Botium, by the way. You can check that Sorry? out. They're on the podcast tomorrow, Botium, Christoph. Botium's on it. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so not, just to have an equal representation. So I think what's going to happen, and Deloitte actually did a very nice report on this. So they said they, 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 they are... Well, I changed a bit, so my interpretation of what they said, or my version... 
but originally I got it from them, the uh, verticals are going to emerge. You know, so as the, the voice, so you're going to see like, a, um, you know, the speech components, there's going to be, there's going to be leaders. The conversational AI, they, they, they are leaders. And then you're going to see these um, verticals starting to emerge. Mm. You know, so there are seven vertical vectors. I think they said six. I thought there might be seven, you know, in terms of bot testing, automation, um, you know, I- improving your ASR. So that there's going to be these niche products, you yeah. know, filling the gaps between between these um between the verticals in terms of testing, um, you know, having better dialogue management um, and the like. Hmm. Um, so, and I think that there's going to be a, the next gold rush is going to be there um, because, you know, the stable, table stakes are still low. Um, and and the, there's a lot of, lots of functionality that the current um, framework, frameworks do not, do not have to a hmm. large degree. I'm like, the one thing is just, um, um, ingesting recordings or text and, and having in, intents, so having clusters of intents um, and having being able to, to set the granularity of those clusters mm. and the size of those clusters and, and just getting an idea of, of, of what your, um, your, your intents are. Um, you know, mm. A tool like that, you know, the frame, currently the fr- you know, two or three frameworks have it, but not really, yeah. uh, you know, something that's, that's scalable and functional. I don't mm. know if that, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those kind of like siloed components. Um, I suppose it's, I mean, what you call it, have um, like AWS have got that intent mine. I think Genesis actually called it the intent mine. AWS call it chatbot builder, automated chatbot builder or something like that. I know a couple of other platforms have got something similar. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. It doesn't, it basically just does the, the first step, which is just kind of like wrapping it all up and, and bat- batching them into buckets rather than... <clears throat> You know, there's no, there's no level, there's no next level. You know, how do you filter that? How do you clean it up? How do you kind of monitor it and all that sort of stuff? Um, but it's interesting where you mentioned in there the the parity between the platforms. You know, Cognigy and Corei and, and a lot of the ones listed on that uh, on the Gartner Magic Quadrant have kind of really, they've got kind of everything that you would need really. But then you've got companies like um, I don't know, like Poly AI for example, Action AI in the UK, where really they don't have a front-facing customer accessible thing it's more a service that they use their own proprietary technology to deliver almost like a fully managed service i don't know if you've kind of looked at any of that stuff and what your thoughts are on on those kind of fully managed service companies versus the platforms um so to to be honest honest i'm not with poly ai and action i am i'm not too familiar with them Mm. um you know, I would, you know, for me, um, in my small mind, you know, I, I saw basically, you know, four, five categories um, of, of conversational AI. You know, for, for me, the first category is like, um, you know, the, the hardcore, <laughs> the Rasa, Deep Pavlov, um, you know, that, that those kind of environments mm. that's, um, that, that's really... For, you know, it's open source. And, you know, I did this um, thing. I wrote this shout out on LinkedIn for, for Rasa because, you know, um, Rasa is a bit of my company crush. And um, so, so many of, if you dig a bit deeper, so many of the underlying technology is, um, you know, in many solutions is Rasa. 
Mm. And, and, and so maybe, you know, enterprise readiness, is it there or not there? That's open for discussion. Um, but, but I think what they've done for the community and, and for, 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 for developers and advocacy is immense. And, and the amount of data they share, information they share. Mm. So that's for me like category one. You know, um, maybe you can add MindMeld there as well. Mm. I mean, it's Cisco MindMeld. You know, Cisco bought MindMeld. Yeah, they did, yeah. And they just open sourced it. Um, uh, which I thought was a huge gift to the community. And, and there's all of a sudden, there's been b- quite a bit of traction on, on MindMeld. Mm. So that, They're doing the some case. pretty good stuff with Cisco MindMeld and the call center, Cisco call center. They're, they're working on some pretty good stuff there. Yes, yes. So that's, the, that's for me, it's, it's category one, open source, bit hardcore. Then there's category two, um, you know, the, the, the big tech laggards. <laughs> yeah. the irony, you know, that's the, the Googles, the IBMs. That's been upset. They've been pipped at the post. Um, you know, like cloud solutions. Mm. That's really got a bigger collection of, of, of cloud solutions. Categories. Would, would you put Reaver? Sorry, would you put Reaver in uh, uh, Nvidia Reaver in category two? Well, that's actually a good question because I was looking at my. I added this fifth category, um, and well, yeah, well, fifth category, and yeah. So Reaver, I don't know what to do with Nvidia Reaver. It's pretty hardcore, um, though, isn't it? There's a lot of customization, and you need to know your stuff to, to be able to use it properly. Yeah, I think let's put Reva in category one. <laughs> 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 I, you know, I really I like Reva, um, not only because they sent me all the all the swag, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like the idea of Reva. I, I like the fact that they've, they've got two demo applications that um, um, can either work with dialogue flow or 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 rasa machine learning stories so that they're really flexible i think the one thing um that um reva still misses is a dialogue management system you mm. know uh, and, and so they've got um they've got a, a like a studio i think it's called nvidia reva studio that's been you know in in early release like once every two weeks, I go apply for access. <laughs> access, but I really like the 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 the, the demo of Riva with with um, with Rasa, you know, um, and and I think maybe, yeah, that was for me a very good demo. Um, the demo with Google was also good. I, I think Riva you can put perhaps in, in the first, also in category one, mm-hmm. uh, definitely. Um, and and the fact that they lack a a dialogue management or dialogue state engine i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing um i mean they, they've shown that they can use you know really the two opposites very successfully mm. um, um and, and that's actually a very satisfying demo to build uh, if you go to nvidia um you just need to create an ec2 instance with a, a gpu it's got to be turing or uh, one of the other gpus a lighter um gpu um, and you can just run it for a day, you know, just make sure you shut it down. Otherwise, you'll be back. <laughs> um, and the category two is like the normal, you know, the normal big cloud yeah. solutions. I would say category three is the the new kids, like the um, people that, you know, the end-to-end solution. Mm. Um, and, and um, yeah, the complete end-to-end solutions like the, the core IOS OneReach, those, mm. those solutions – that's really um, contained uh, its software as, as, as a service. Um, and you can start off small and, and have those iterations. Um, and then 
category four, I would say, are like almost the seven vertical vectors, like Q-box, um, Bottium, Human First. You know, I put, um, what's the spacey, uh, not, um, they've got an annotation tool, Explosion. I forgot the name now. Um, um, this, um, yeah, so they've got a, 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 text, a text tool, is it? No, they're, they're, they're training. Yeah, so, so anyway, so, so there's a, a, quite a bit of, I mean, and I know, you know, from Vodafone, Qbox had a huge impact on, on, on non-intent. Um, I mean, like non-intent, and that's a story we can get to, but our mm. non-intent voice part went from 51% to 11%. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was like, it was just, it's stellar. Um, so those tools really makes, helps a lot. Um, yeah. Shout out to Qbox. We've got ben, Benoit uh, commenting, actually, uh, CEO of Qbox, uh, marketing hype never. That was from earlier on. I didn't bring it up, but shout out to Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it's not, yeah, no, it's, uh, there's lots of hype, um, mumbo jumbo, but uh uh, you know, and so that that category for me is that category of of you know improvement tools, annotation tools, um, you know tools where you want to just improve your training data and things like that. Mm. Um, and then I, I think the the fifth category is um, that's the large language models. And in a yeah. soft of late, been playing with um, with Cohere. Um, Obviously, open, I, open AI's language API, um, um, and it's hugging face, and yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's really overwhelming, um, and I'm not always too sure how would one implement those large language models, you know, um, like Cohere, Open AI. There's another one I haven't looked at. I think it's uh, um, AI twenty one. Yeah, twenty one in it. Yeah, uh, twenty one AI lab. So. Yeah. Uh, I, that's one I would like to get into. But if I look at cost and and, and how you can um, leverage, um, to what extent, I don't know if you can really harness or leverage the, the power of, of those solutions. I mean, the, I'm always, it's staggering the way OpenAI can, the natural language generation. Um, I was also surprised by Cohere, how, how you can train a, your, your own um NLG model. Um, um, so, but how to harness it and practically implement it, that's, a, um, you know, it's, I think that that's a bit of a challenge. So those are the, I would say the five categories and, and maybe, maybe one doesn't yet know to what extent large language models will be used. I mean, definitely companies like Google and, um, uh, Apple, I mean, they use large language models, but um, if you think about an enterprise, big brick and mortar customer service um, mm. environment, I don't know how exactly one would, and maybe those use cases will, will be introduced somewhere, you know, some way down the road. Mm. Um, and, and that's why, I mean, I was listening these days. Sorry, can I just go yeah, on? Yeah, to... yeah, go on. <laughs> I'll give a before you do I'll give a quick shout out to Lauren from Raza as well we've mentioned Raza a few times she said back at your Corbus democratizing <laughs> conversational AI is part of our mission you, you know I always feel inferior when I when I read um I said Rachel Tatum and, and those people from Raza <laughs> they're the highly intelligent bunch Alan Nickel and, and and Lauren as well um but you know so many things I don't fully understand but but I like the open the open uh, NLU pipeline you know, we, we, we did a few POCs and, and because Afrikaans is the only other language I speak, we did a, a POC in Afrikaans. Mm. 
with some of the you know the embeddings and and we had like I think the the thing about um, so the fact you've got an open pipeline like with Rasa and you can you know define your your, your which um, you, you know you know what elements you want in it that, that NLP or NLU pipeline and the, the the amazing results you can have with limited training data you know so, so and that for me like it's that's really amazing about something like Rasa. You don't need mm. loads and loads of training data. And then the same go, goes for, for most of the NLU engines. Like you, you really just need 10 to 15 to 20 um, um, you know, examples per intent to have a workable prototype or pr proof of concept. You know, so when I, like for instance, I was looking these days at tools where you can um, introduce utterances and just have those utterances clustered, mm. just to see like you know what what are people saying in my in my organization. So what was nice with Cohere is that you can um, import like a small number of just sentences, and it does this vector embedding. So visually, it clusters the different uh, word word groups, and you can just click and see. What are people saying? So visually, you see those intents, mm. things of intents, and then also, you know, there's also another. Um, it's almost like I'm stuck these days with the Canadian companies, but Human First also have a solution where, with a few utterances, a few hundred utterances, you can, you can have this clustering of intents, and then I, I go to, uh, yeah, I look at, then I see, well, um, Lex, Amazon Lex mm. version two has got the same, and I say, oh, I want to use it. But I need ten thousand utterances, and it's got to be <laughs> in a certain JSON format. And I said, "Well, I'm not going to spend like days, you know, um, and I'm not going to spend days. Ten thousand utterances is crazy. Like, yeah. you can have five utterances or ten. I think with human first, I don't know. Also, like a few dozen, and you can yeah. do it. Um, so, um, so that being able to prototype with, a, with, with very little um, training data, you know, um, that's, that's immense, you know, that, that, mm. that really, um, helps a lot. But I just wanted to mention something. It's always in the back of my mind. But uh, the, you know, when I listen to the, the CEO um, of Core AI, I think it's... Is it, um, Raj Canero. Raj Canero. You know, he, he said something that really resonated with me. You know, because we, everyone's thinking of in terms of Alexa and, and, and Google Home. And then he, then he said in this interview, he said, selling a, any conversational AI, any chatbot to, to an organization is hard. Because you're going to the customer service chief or, or exec executive and you're saying to him, I want to introduce another digital channel. Mm. You know, and then they just say, "Well, I, I'm drinking from a fire hose. Mm. I don't want more trouble." And then he said that they've got this focus. You know, their customers want them to introduce a voice bot, but over a, a normal GSM call. So you actually place a call and you speak to the voice bot over a phone call. Mm -hmm. and, and that's that. I loved listening to that because that's what you know, Toby voice bot was, mm. and still is. You know, it's it's a voice. So, so you've got to, so, so the, 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 the business driver was our biggest cost is incoming calls. Yeah. It's agents sitting, servicing those calls. We've got agent assist or 
robotic process automation, whatever you want to call it. Um, but we want to automate telephone calls that comes in. And, and that's one of the biggest drivers. Um, and, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And, and so the big challenge is then, how do you automate normal customer, customer care calls that comes into um, the call center and you introduce a conversational agent, a voice bot, um, to take those calls. And I, I, and I think that is really, really hard. But mm -hmm. I think that's where the, um, the real growth of, of speech interfaces lies in terms of, um, you know, to what extent can you have a digital agent um, that's, that's fielding those calls um, and, and, and it's a voice bot. You know that that people phone into you know by just by just a telephone call. Yeah, and that's the challenge, but that's where the I think where the current need and desire lies. Yeah, definitely. They were said definitely seeing a big trend towards that. Like I think over the last two years since COVID, really, and you know we were talking about it quite a lot beforehand and did a bit of work on it beforehand. But definitely since COVID, it seems to be really kind of taken off and in fact on the podcast we had a we had a webinar with core ai recently um and raj was talking about their agent assist approach and one of the ways that they approach agent assist is actually creating those self-service bots in the first instance and for whatever reason when people end up getting through to a live agent uh it's the bot that's still handling the request and processing the transaction mm -hmm. and then it just kind of relays stuff back to the agent um there's also um, a really good approach from uh, we've had home serve on the podcast recently. Uh, Max and Spencer's have been on the podcast recently uh, and a couple of others all talking about their kind of IVR automation journey. And it's still, you know, some of the results they're getting is pretty good. You know, home serve, I think they are something like 20% of their calls as being routed through their voice bot. And it's having somewhere in the region of an 85% success rate. Mm. um so it's uh yeah it's going it's going really well i think that's definitely where where the where it's where it's heading and i think the two opportunities that you have with the voice channel that you don't with chat is that one certainly on the text to um speech to sorry text to speech side you've got an opportunity for brand differentiation for creating a bespoke customized mm. brand voice uh but also you can actually create some really good experiences because most times when people call a call center they expect it to be a terrible experience anyway. Gonna wait on hold. <laughs> gonna just sit here. You know, men, yeah, it's just like we know it's gonna be a nightmare. So I'm, I'm gonna have to get it done. But so you've got an opportunity to turn what is a dread, usually a dreaded and dreadful <laughs> interaction into something that's that's decent. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and you know, and I think maybe on you know, it's true what you say. People they put low expectations, but but if I could just mention something on that, um, Kane, like so, so something we found. And, you know, there's, if, you, if you're facing the customer, like if you release that bot, then you, like you've, you commit it. Mm. You know, there's no theory. Uh, there's no, um, you know, unicorns and clouds. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's really down to, so, so what we did is we had four metrics. And I don't know if I can quickly look at that, Kane. Mm. Um, so so we, we used four metrics. So the first metric we introduced was um, containment, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and so that was very easy. You just keep the customer away from the agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you just don't allow them to transfer. And containment is, is sky high. 
and everyone is happy. And um, <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, customers are still absolutely fuming. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and then I think the second thing to, so containment, you know, seemed very, it was good, you know, um, but it was a poor experience. So the, thick, the second um, element we introduced was, um, was um, you know, establishing if the caller returns, if the caller makes contact with the organization within seven to 10 days, right? So on any other channel. Mm -hmm. So, so what's, what percentage of customers does not contact us again within, say, 10 days? Because what happened was, People find the voice bot, it's a terrible experience, and then they go via the app or they go to the walking center, yeah. or, you know, you know, or, or they um, schedule a callback through the web, whatever the case might be. So then all of a sudden we saw, well, that figure is low, right? So we've got to bring that figure up. Um, it's got to be somewhere in the 80s where we resolve, you know, we've built, we built, we built so much context that we um, make sure that the user does not come back again within 10 days. There's the second, the third metric we added was, teen, uh, was uh, net promoter score. Now, net promoter score is brutal. Uh, I think promoters is just eight, nine, and 10, right? Or nine and 10, I'm not too sure, but, yeah. but eight. So it's brutal. You know, if you send out a text message and you ask people to, to rate the service from one to 10, <laughs> and then, um, that's a different story, but net promoter score was down the floor, you know, through the floor. It was really poor. And then the fourth um, metric we introduced was um, customer satisfaction. So net promoter score is often across the whole organization, mm. you know, and, and we found someone, so we found our detractors and say, why did you rate this low? And the one guy said, you know, I actually had a fight with my wife this morning and I just needed to vent them when I got your, <laughs> your rating. I just went for it. We said, well, fair enough. You know, it's at least the guy's honest. Um, but then also, so that's across the organization um, and net promoter score. But then um, customer satisfaction, we measured within the journey segments. And, you know, and that, those four metrics, you've, you've got to push them. So if you improve the TNPS, then maybe containment drops. You know, so if you mm. if you improve containment, then your let's call it your Toby seven or your Toby ten that drops again. So it's almost like a doctor giving medicine for blood pressure, but then anxiety goes up and he gives something for anxiety, but then you know something else happens. And you, yeah, you've got to bring up those four metrics slowly and try and get them as high as possible. And you know something we found was that. You know, we, we used to focus on journey completion, successful journey completion. Mm. And this, it didn't work because the moment someone get their PUK or number or once they reset their pin, they hang up. Mm. You know, they abandon the call. So it, it seems like an, an abandoned call. And, and perhaps an abandoned call can be when someone waits for an agent. But, you know, people hang up because they've got what, what, they, what, what they need. Mm. Um, and um, so I think those were the four metrics we pursued, um, you know, and I think it was really successful um, in, in looking at those four and trying, trying to push it up as high as possible. Um, and, then, and then also, I think from a, um, from a just from a practicality, um, you know, I think we also had um, an hour a day transcript reviews. 
So the whole voice squad sits for one hour a day. The product owner makes sure everyone is there from the dev <laughs> to the designer to the copywriter. And we look at the transcripts, um, you know, just go. And in, 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 if you go through transcripts for an hour a day, in a month, you establish a collective understanding. You know, you know often people describe something as scope creep. But it's really just your understanding growing. Mm. Um, and, and if there's a collective understanding and that collective understanding is growing within the squad, that really helps a lot. So it's really sitting down and um, going through the transcripts and, and um, just getting a sense of what the customer is experiencing. And if I can mention maybe just a, um, a last thing on that, and, and that also came out in that um, the core AI um, thing was, you know, you, you've got to, you, when it comes to call centers, lots of money is involved. There are service levels and lots of pressure in, in terms of delivering and, and, and all those kind of things. And But one area you need to be bold in is, is making the voice part open and more verbose. Mm. So, you know, it, it's really hard so initially you're conservative and you say, well, say, say upgrade or say update my account, you know, um, because just give this, let's just give them words, but then upgrade account or update account. It's so close, you know, so there's lots of ambiguity that that's being introduced. So, so I think that one thing that really worked well for us is getting the customer to say what their query is, you know, so to get him to speak, um, maybe seven to 10 seconds and telling them, please, in a, in a few short words, explain to me what your problem is. And we really saw an, an huge, a huge improvement in, um, you know, in, in detecting intent when we got users to, to speak. And I, I just saw a comment about the intent, <laughs> intent deprecation. I want to say something about that just now, but <laughs> I think what really also helped us was then, to establish themes. So it's very hard to, to, to pinpoint a conversation to an intent, right? But, but if you have a theme, and, and, and I saw some of, the, um, some of the platforms introduced that where you have a theme and then you can use that theme to disambiguate. Mm. And that's what I love about Cohere as well, um, how you can use NLG to create... Um, disambiguation menus, um, uh, their the NLG. So for instance, some would say, I was just mugged. I was just mm -hmm. robbed. And, that, and that's unfortunately a big problem in South Africa, the theft of phones. Mm. Um, and, and then you, you can say, well, I'm really sorry to hear that. I hope you're okay. But, and I can help you with blacklisting your device or doing a SIM swap or locking your line. Mm. Or you say, I see your, phone, your line is locked. It seems like things have stabilized. Would you like to unlock your line? You know, so so then you you, you establish a theme that um, I couldn't make the payment, or my phone was stolen, or I lost my phone, and then you have a disambiguation disambiguation menu to service that theme, and you give the and and, and, and that's like a, an easy way to establish intent disambiguation menus mm, because mm. you're making it the user's problem to choose. Yeah. What you know, the, yeah, yeah, actually, you're saying you're, you're three intents or four intents, choose the one that suits you. 
Mm. So I think that, that really stood us in very good stead. Um, um, but because you've got to be bold in, in opening the speech interface over the phone. Um, and then you also got to be conservative in assigning the user too quick to an intent. Mm. You know? um, um, and because then that leads or that goes into, um, um, you know, you can just take someone on, 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 a, on a long journey. And, and something we, we found like, I mean, there's, there's disambiguation that's, that's easy for us, but hard for machines. Like, for instance, um, uh, there's a drop of water on my phone, or I drop my phone in the water. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, for us, that's easy to disambiguate, right? But for a machine, it's harder to mm. disambiguate. But then there's instances where there's true, um, true ambiguity. Like, I saw Kane with binoculars. I mean, does that mean I saw you with binoculars around your neck? Or did I see you while I was looking through binoculars? <laughs> we, we just realized we've got those two problems. We, the machine cannot disambiguate as good as humans can. And there are true ambiguity where you just don't know. Mm. And the best is to kick that back to the user and, and let them establish. And, and something also, we also look at a reception, reception desk. So, because obviously the voice bot is a, it's a narrow domain, you know, it mm. service a telco, you know, a, a mobile operator. So, you know, we, we looked at someone sitting at the, at a, at a front desk and, and someone walks in and they walked, they walk into a bank's front desk and say, you know, I, I want to buy airtime. I want to buy an iPhone. Well, mm. sorry, you're in the wrong building. <laughs> We, we can't help you. <laughs> and that, that's definitely, you know, so there are people finding in, we can't service them, you know. Um, yeah. Um, but then also, but then if, if the person is in the right building, then the, the receptionist, you know, is trying to establish intent. You know, that they're having a conversation to try and establish intent and then use that person that walked into the building. And we try to emulate that, um, to, to try up front to establish what is the um, um, what is the intent of the user. And once we're sure, you know, so that's something I liked about Cognity. They've got a threshold per intent. Yeah. We can have a, um, a follow-up intent or a confirmation on that, in, confirmation in question on that intent. Yeah. So you can like have a double, you know, double take on, on that um, to, to make sure um, um, you, you 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 sending the person off or you're signing the right intent to, to that conversation. Mm, mm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh let me go into some of these questions. So we've got some questions coming through here. Um we'll start with Michael McTair, who is saying uh I'll see if I can get it all on here. Probably can't get it all on that. So we'll say, uh, how do you see the relationship between conversational AI systems and tools used in commercial systems that involve traditional design and handcrafting the systems being developed by the large tech companies such as Google, Facebook, etc., cetera, uh, involving massive language models and deep learning technologies such as transformers? I think we might have covered some of that. Did we cover some of that discussion there, the, the relationship between the uh, kind of like platform tools like Cognigies, et cetera, plus the handcrafted modular kind of approach of using cloud providers and stuff like that. I feel like we might have covered that earlier on. 
Yeah, if I can just, I can mention one thing on that, kind. Um, and, and that's, you know, we, I think the one thing I would like to add to what we said is, is just the, the ability to scale. Um, you know, um, that's that we've that I've seen in practice where where you, you know, I think there's this famous quote, you know, first we shape our tools and thereafter our tools shape us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I often think of that because, um, you know, you, you become a slave of, of the, the machine you brought in because you, you've got to live with the impediments and the shortcomings of, of that framework. So you've really got to look at something that scales well. Um, and, and I think the one element that plays a big role is fine tuning, mm. you know, and if I, if I can just mention this, so, you know, so obviously, um, you know, um, you know, love is something very complex, right? But a red heart is an abstraction of mm. love, mm. right? So it, it's a really a simplified representation of something that's very complex, you know, b- between, you know, living beings. Um, so what you're trying to do with a conversational ag- agent, you're taking something that's very complex like conversation and you create an abstraction of that conversation and that and then from that abstraction, you create tools with which you can build a conversation again. Mm. You know, so, um, so, so I think that is a, a challenging thing. And, and the, more, the more refined the fine-tuning is, the more complex the environment becomes. You know, so, so I think fine-tuning is like really, that is, that is the litmus test. Um, because fine-tuning allows you to, to, to create a conversational experience in, in detail, right? So, so now you have maybe something that's on the one opposite, you've got uh, legs <laughs> that's got very little fine tuning, very little design or development affordances. And then you have something on the other side that's maybe Rasa or NVIDIA Riva that's got like so many knobs and levers, you don't know. <laughs> and you have like... Um, Sorry, open AI. That mm. that it's. I mean, the 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 way they manage the conversation. You know, I can say, you know, who won the 1994 Formula One Grand Prix in South Africa, and they will say Michael Schumacher. And I can say, how many children does he have? And they would say two. Is he mm. currently? You know, so you can almost like the context is maintained so well, but then the problem is, how do you fine tune that? Mm. You know, for organization. So, so I think it's really it's really what will fit the best in the organization, mm. um, but then also what will scale well. And, and the key, I think the key differentiator is, is fine tuning. Yeah, that, sure. make, that makes sense. And when it comes to large language models, it gets harder, doesn't it? I remember reading something fairly recently. I put it in the, the LinkedIn newsletter from Emily Bender, and she was talking about hype and the hype in AI and, and the, the, you know, the New York Times or the New York magazine written a piece on open AI. And it was like really kind of glorified and stuff like that. And she was literally just picking holes all the way through. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, but one of the points that she made was, and I kind of referenced this when I wrote last week about Google's Lambda 2 large language model. Um, and it was that the companies themselves, like Google, even they will find it so hard to properly fine tune such a large language model because with 178 billion parameters, 
how on earth do you know which parameter to change and what the impact that parameter is going to have? And so <laughs> it's, it, it becomes an absolute minefield. And so thinking about, like you meant, you, you alluded to it earlier on, which is the commercial application of these things, it's fine for Google Assistant, which is going to be having conversations about Michael Schumacher and Formula One. But for a business like Vodafone or whoever, your conversations are all about your content, all about your knowledge and your services. And so whether a large language model like that is applicable to those enterprises or even needed really is uh, I think still to be debated really. Yeah. Now I agree. I agree with you that some of the demos are astounding. So I'll give you an example. Okay. Like, so we, we used um, Microsoft um, ASR, right? Mm. And um, so, so obviously there's a base model, you know, you can call that the large language model and then you can train, um, you can train, like acoustic model on top of that. So, and mm. IBM also has this, and, and I'm quite sure there, there are others as well. So, you know, with Microsoft, you can take 20,000 recordings. You know, so we literally took 20,000 recordings that was 10 seconds long, and we we transcribed them I in these two hands, transcribed 8,000. <laughs> 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 my wife said to me, don't you have people that can do this? You know? so, <laughs> Anyway, so, and then we, we trained that into an acoustic model. So that acoustic model was representative of age, gender, ethnicity, you know, all those good things that represents your customers. And then, so there's something called word error, right? Mm -hmm. How you calculate the accuracy of your ASR. And that's why I'm saying, you know, some of these, um, you know, smaller, smaller organizations, they're running away with this technology. And the larger companies, I don't know how they'll, they'll keep up. But anyway, so our word error rate went from more than 30 to, to, to 18, and it even went lower than 18. And we, we, was, we were quite happy with that. Mm. And then what we realized is that whenever you're in a noisy environment, like background noise, you know, on a, on a train or a bus, the acoustic model kind of gets stuck. Mm. And, and, and because most of our training examples started with I want to, I need to, um, whenever there was noise, the acoustic model got stuck trying to transcribe this audio into text, and it would just transcribe I, 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 I want to, I want, I want, I want. <laughs> so, so we had this collection, a very small collection of words, and and then and when we saw that, we said um, uh, to the user, "It sounds like in a noisy environment. Can I give you a few seconds to move to a quiet spot, or can I?" Do you want to call back later? Or I can even schedule, you can schedule a call back and I'll phone you back. Mm. And it really resonated, resonated with users because it shows empathy, right? Mm. I mean, what is, and then people went, wow, you've got like noise detection. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> but it was just this, this pattern we saw, you know? And yeah, we just yeah. So, um, you know, so sometimes I think um, those things are perhaps unintended. Um, there's no yeah. feature within with, within Microsoft that's got noise detection. Yeah. You know, and as far as I know, and 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 the rest, but it was just something that 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 we saw and we just leveraged, and, and it became a thing, right? And something we're doing. Um, but I, I definitely agree with you. This um, this this I think there's lots of hype and and how one can harness it and leverage it. You know, and, and also obviously cost. Yeah. I mean, cost is a huge consideration. Um, and, and, you know, so I mean, if I look at some of these models and the cost associated, you know, of using, using the solutions, it, it's just staggering. 
Yeah. Um, and at this stage, it doesn't add up. Yeah. Um, I think I think that I mean it's becoming a bit cheaper. I mean what you're talking about there in terms of like the the ASR retraining is slightly different to what I was kind of getting at on the large language model side, which is the, the likes of GPT three and you know Google Lambda two and and those kind of NLU NLG kind of systems and their application to private enterprises. Um, mm. But definitely the 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 price of you know customized ASR models, customized TTS voices. <clears throat> I think probably about two years ago, <coughs> excuse me, the B or maybe it's three years ago, the BBC spent somewhere close to the millions getting a customized voice mm. built by from Microsoft. But whereas now you look at ReadSpeaker, uh, or you look at uh, you know, you mentioned Resemble earlier on, um, there's a and even Microsoft themselves have actually released mm. a almost like a self service uh thing also nvidia i've got one as well a self-service mm. kind of custom tts creation so i think the price will come down over time uh as as you know as it kind of starts to mature and stuff like that mm. it's just it just one it it needs people within the business like yourself who realize that we need a custom acoustic model for this or we need a customized voice for this and this is the value it's going to bring and then mm. two people who've got the nous to kind of get on with it and actually do it you know which i think a lot of companies don't quite have mm. um but um thinking about we're going to get through i know we're a little bit over but if it's all right with you i want to get through these last two comments oh, we, can, we can carry on for a bit no problem cool, cool, cool. <laughs> that's good <laughs> um so one from uh olivia day which i think that there was one you were alluding to earlier on I, I i can't really pull up the whole thing i can flash it up so we can see uh oliver but we uh can't really see the whole thing so we'll say i'll read it out and i'll say uh corbus you talked about the four pillars uh, and the possibility of deprecation or depreciation of three of them, intense dialogue state management and responses. But can you foresee a stage where we move beyond another core concept of chatbots turn-taking? Some voice solutions allow barging by the user, but could it work the other way around with the bot interrupting the user? Yeah, um, yeah I, I must say, like, um, I think that there are two parts of the question. So the first part about the four pillars um, yeah, I mean, for me, traditional chatbots, textbots, I mean, it's it's intense entities, dialogue state management, and then your your bot messaging or your message abstraction layer. And um, so, I mean, there, there's been like ideas <clears throat> how to deprecate, um, you know, one or more of these. Um, and it's interesting, companies converge on a good idea. Um, so, so the most most of the conversational AI solutions they converge on on how NLU is done with intents and entities. Um, they converge on the messaging, but that the one area where there's a bit of a um, traditionally a, a non-convergence is dialogue state development and management. So, I mean, they are basically the one is like the design canvas, the way. Mm -hmm. Dialogue flow CX is doing it and and, and, and cognitive and, and nuance mix. Then you have the more like the state machine approach. It's almost like the way Lex is doing it and Watson Assistant. We've got a state machine and and, and you you drag your, your state. Um, and then the, the third one is, is just pro code, native code, mm. right? Your, your, and then the fourth one is really the idea. Uh, I think that, and that's, you know, 
Ross has got the monopoly on that with machine learning stories and, and to have this this story learning and adapting. Um, so, yeah, so, so I think that's, that's the one, one um, area where like companies diverge. And, and then there was this whole idea of like, should we deprecate the state machine <laughs> and just have, well, the best is to have no intent um like let's just deprecate in things and deprecate the state machine and we're gonna have this flexible bot <laughs> and i was a proponent of that and um but then you know when i started looking at what the gardener leaders are doing they're actually doing the opposite right so so they they're not looking at um deprecating um um one or more of these pillars they're actually looking at merging the pillars and fusing them. So I think going forward, that's going to be, um, I think one's going to be see more of that. So, so definitely in the Gardner leaders, um, the visionaries and, and the ones that can execute, you see emerging and, and they're building, they're, they're not deprecating in things, they're actually fortifying in things, right? So they're actually adding um, more functionality and more definition to the intents. Um, and you especially see that with with core AI and Cognigy, um, we and actually, and I saw these days. I posted it. I think a, two years ago, I wrote this article on how you can have structure in in intents with Rasa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I actually forgot about it. That they've been having it for young. So, so, so you're actually seeing that these these things are emerging, and and so some of the leaders are actually combining grouping of intents with with certain sections of the flow. You know, so there's, there are two things happening. So it's almost something that you can call entities. So, in, so entities and intents are really closely coupled. And certain entities only goes with certain intents, which makes sense. So that's more like a cohesive, the way the customer would speak. Um, and then you would you see that, you know, certain part, parts of the flow is coupled to certain parts of the NRU. So you, you're seeing this close cl closer coupling and then, I forgot some of it, but you know, you're seeing things like like nested in nested entities. Mm -hmm. Microsoft has got machine learning entities that's nested. You're seeing nested intents quite a bit now uh, as well. Um, sub intents is becoming more common. Follow up intents, and then there was something that Core AI has got. Uh, I forgot the name, but they've got um, a trait. You know, traits as well, which are introduced. So you're seeing more and more structure being built in. And I think that's probably going to be the way forward where these there's not a, not a deprecation of one or more of these structures, but, you know, bringing them together. Hmm. Um, and then you have things like um, Watson Assistant Actions and Microsoft Power Virtual Agents where they've totally deprecated the NRU. But that's for a specific, you know, narrow use case where you want to just have a small bit of automation. And it's obviously not something that will uh, scale across, across the organization. Mm. I think the second part is the turn-taking um, and the barging. That's something that's really hard over the, the telephone. Um, we, we really we, we struggled with, with people speaking over the bot, um, the bot speaking over someone um, you know, you try and listen for cues and um, then there's some background noise that interrupts the bot and the bot waits for, for speech in, input. So, so the one area we, we really found 
work well is opening the speech input and giving the user the opportunity to be more verbose. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, it, it's almost at this stage, it makes sense regiment. I know one of the, the opcos introduced background music, you know, to, to more, you know, to when the bot speaks. I guess is to create a bigger contrast between the bot speaking and me speaking. So, you know, maybe it, it helps me to um, to wait for the bot to complete and not barge in. Mm. And the second thing people are introducing, I think they call it ear cons, like, you know, different yeah. sound effects, yeah. To, 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 to signal the end of, of, of the bot's dialogue and the start of my dialogue. Mm. But I think that that's one area um, that, that, that needs huge improvement is that turn taking. If I, if I can just mention one more thing on that, Kane. Um, you know, the, the reason why it's really, really tough is, is something called face speed, right? So I, I read the first time about face speed in the, for your design in, and innovation. Mm -hmm. I think they were subsequently acquired by Accenture, I'm not too sure. But for your design and innovation coined this term face speed. And they said that face speed is the fastest way we communicate. There's, there's no communication between humans that's faster than a face speed. And face speed is basically your facial expressions. Mm. You, you know, you, gaze, where, where are you looking? Lip detection, who's speaking? You know, so if, if we're a group of friends speaking, you know, you, you look at who's making eye contact. You know, you look at who's speaking um, and you look at that person. You look at facial expressions like surprise. You know, sometimes you speak and someone loses interest. <laughs> you know, you can see it, right? At, at the speed of light, literally, mm. you see this guy lost interest. And, and so something they said was that, you know, to get conversational, uh, to get a voice, uh, voice bot right, somehow we've got to get to the point of face speed mm. where, where the bot can detect those facial cues and then you can have things like barge in. Or, 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 or you can, you know, prompt the user or you can see that the user lost interest and you can ask the user. So, for instance, uh, NVIDIA Riva has got this, um, in, in one of their demos, it, it's in a car. Yeah, so, so gaze detection, isn't it? Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, so they, they use gaze detection, sent, facial sentiment, emotional detection, lip activity. Um, you know, they identify the speaker. Um, and, and those those are all, and I think it's very rudimentary at this stage, um, and and probably experimental. But that is a, the first foray into into face speed, where you can manage. And, and I think if you with Nvidia Riva, you can really start. If you really leverage those features, you can really start. Um, you know, having this conversation where the bot can manage the turn taking because you're reading the face speed. Mm. You know. But, but mm. if you can't do that, then unfortunately, it, it, it is definitely a challenge. And I don't know to what extent um, it, it can be solved, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, <clears throat> it's interesting. You've alluded to some things there that it's interesting because starting when we started doing this stuff, we were focusing really on voice assistants, Alexa and Google Assistant. And over the course of designing for that medium, you realize that really it's interactive audio. It's not kind of, it's not a voice conversation as such. And the more that you can use audio, the better it is. Earcons, music, that kind of stuff turns it into an experience rather than 
kind of like rapid fire question answer kind of thing uh, and even google assistant does some pretty good stuff if you ask it the football score and stuff like that it will read you the results but behind it it will have the sound of a chanting crowd and stuff like that <laughs> which is really cool <laughs> but it's interesting how here when you say that it seems as though some of these practices which they should be are kind of arriving into this space which has been traditionally more conversational as opposed to interactive audio but fundamentally that's what it is it's audio out and audio in um mm. And I think there's, there's there's definitely things you can do with dialogue design to help the user understand when you've finished and when they should start and all mm. that kind of stuff. But the big problem I've found is that at the moment, unless you look at a company like Action AI with their own bespoke kind of speech recognition models, end of speech detection is is a I think a bigger problem because it's it's mm. all based on silence basically, and then it's based on detecting any noise from the user so in order to cut it for badging it's it's based on a, a threshold of noise detection it's almost like a for those audio files out there it's almost like a, uh, a gate so there's a threshold of, of sound input and when when it reaches a certain certain decibel level mm. then it kicks in and you can cut the bot off and so with dialogue flow cx if you're not careful you can just have someone going like that putting a drink down the bot mm. see hears a sound and thinks ah right someone's talking i'll shut up <laughs> and it'll just stop dead and, or, or then you'll be in the middle of talking and you'll need some thinking time and you'll pause for a little bit it'll think you're finished because of the, the end of speech detection and then it will carry on when you're midway through an utterance and so it's these things that you need to kind of tweak and with a bit of dialogue design and with you know sensible kind of crafting it, it can kind of be a bit better but something like google for example silence detection is all you've got in order to detect that someone's finished speaking it's not using the acoustics of what's being said which is mm -hmm. which is a challenge yeah just just on what you said it, it makes sense to um you know we found that it helps the bot to manage the dialogue so i'll give you a classic example <laughs> we, we saw funny things right so initially we didn't know this um so people were silent on mm. like we had huge silence on the call mm. so that's relatively easy then we had people just saying hello and then the <laughs> boss would say hello and the person hello and the boss <laughs> they played this hello and people discovered it and then they, they, you know for long periods of time hello so it became a, like a, a game but Maybe the users thought it was like, a, what do you call it, the Easter egg? Or yeah, an Easter egg, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, so we changed that. You know, we, we played a few rounds of Hello Ping Pong and then we said, hello again. Um, you know, and hello, I can, we can say hello all day, but I can try and help you with what you're trying to describe your problem. <laughs> you know, so when we started getting traction, I think there were some sad people when we break, broke the Hello Ping Pong game. When we started to get some traction, another thing that happened a lot was people, was putting um, the call on hold. Now, ah, there's a specific, uh, you know, speci specific um, female voice. It sounds like a female voice that says, your call has been placed on hold. Please wait. And that just repeats. Right. So, so the moment the call went on hold, we just disconnected. You know? <laughs> so, so, and then obviously noise, you're right. So it's not really directly, direct, directly related to dialogue turns, but we... There were ways to to you know to manage the dialogue based on those anomalies, mm. but I agree with you. It, it it would be the ideal if you could detect this is the end of a question or a sentence, um, and then you know respond. Um, mm. Mm. 
Absolutely. Well, Corbus, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, long time coming with those uh, with those Vodacom shackles on, but uh, thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully we got there. I appreciate your time. It's been absolutely fantastic. Really, really insightful. Um, definitely, everyone who's been tuning in is obviously knows who you are. But for those listening on the podcast, uh, definitely go to corbusgrailing.medium.com. Uh, C O B U S G R E Y L I N G dot medium dot com uh, to check out Corbus's writing. And what's what's next for you, Corbus? Then what's the what's on the agenda? Um, I, I'm enjoying. I'm I'm not being irresponsible, and I'm enjoying <laughs> my freedom. <laughs> so um, it's it's nice to to have opportunities. So I think um, I'm enjoying the time just to be able to write and explore, and uh, hopefully soon I'll I'll, I'll head, head into a new direction. <laughs> yeah. Cool. 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 Direction. Cool. Yeah. That sounds good. Uh, I'm just going to put um, a link to the webinar I mentioned to everybody uh, in the chat here, if I can find it, because uh, you might be interested in signing up to that. It's the webinar around the irony of big tech, why your speech recognition is probably a lot of tosh. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah we'll be doing that on June 9th uh, tomorrow we mentioned Bordium actually earlier on in the conversation we'll be chatting uh, with the CEO of Bordium tomorrow and uh, yeah next week I haven't got my diary with me but next week we've got more conversations coming and so please do join us for that I'll just quickly double check we've got Al- Aflorithmic uh, and also Speakeasy AI Speakeasy AI is a good company when it comes to speech recognition NLP you and you know bespoke end of speech detection all that kind of stuff um but anyway yes it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much corbus for joining us thank you everyone for tuning in uh thank you for your participation your comments questions and all that kind of stuff and uh, we look forward to seeing you in the next one great thanks cool. cheers